So we are in our now third week of our Greater Than series. And before we dive into this week, um, I really need to say thank you. Um, if you are unaware, my father passed away last Sunday morning. Um, I got the call about uh, 15 minutes before church or so. And so, first of all, um, thank you to Scott um, for stepping up and, and, and giving a message that he had not written. But uh, it was spo- he was supposed to preach it last week, and uh, that's what it was. So I printed out and be like, you're up. He's like, okay. So thank you to Scott, and thank you um, all you guys um, who have been a part of this church, been a part of our lives, and um, have seen my dad battle cancer as hard as he could. Um, but uh, my sister and I both were fortunate enough and privileged enough to speak uh, at his memorial service on Friday. And the one thing that he never lost, the one thing that never changed, the one thing that um, he, despite the mental and the physical ailments, never compromised was his faith. And he passed away last Sunday morning getting ready to come here to church. Um, so, fun, passed away on his knees. God took him. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. And uh, thankful for that his suffering is, is done. Uh, for the first time in years, my dad is tumor-free. It's pain-free. And uh, so it's just a, a reminder that... Um, we were going to talk about something different this morning and continuing in our Greater Than series, but uh, after talking with Crystal and Scott, uh, we made some switches around. They're like, y'all aren't going to know anyway. We're just as greater than. What's greater than next? So, uh, but today is actually going to be God is greater than our pain. And there's probably no harder time to talk about this for me personally. There's actually probably no better time to talk about this. Um, and so, I, again, I, I want to extend uh, my family's um, heartfelt thanks for all your prayers, your concern. Um, for those of you that sh- drove all the way up there to the memorial service. Um, and so I'll, I'll actually share this one quick story that virtually none of you know. Um, when I was growing up, I was in, you know, obviously involved with music and stuff, and I had a good friend of mine. His name was Jimmy. And um, Jimmy and I went to this uh, Christian college up in Pensacola for a music camp one summer. And Jimmy did not know Christ. And that summer, with me kneeling down uh, in our dorm room where we were bunked um, on our knees, Jimmy accepted Christ. And so, because my dad was a, was a faithful role model for me, I was able to accept Christ at a young age and then lead several of my friends to Christ. And Jimmy was one of those people. I haven't seen Jimmy in probably 15 years. Jimmy showed up out of nowhere at the cemetery on uh, Friday. And it was just one of those wonderful reminders that you never know how you may impact people for Christ. My dad didn't get to see Jimmy at the cemetery. He did know that Jimmy accepted Christ. But because my dad accepted Christ, I was able to accept Christ. And now Jimmy and his wife and their three boys are growing up in the exact opposite um, way of life than he did in a Christian home, modeling the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that. So my, my dad is maybe not here, but he's not gone. And so uh, I'm thankful for that. And so as we get into this Greater Than series, our first week really settled around this point, 
this first point, and that's why I told this story, is because this series is not about saying God is greater than. It's about living God is greater than. And my dad, fortunately for me and my family and my sister, he lived a greater than life. Never rich, never well-known, never famous. But he had a king of his life and was unashamed to live it in that way. So the first week, we really tried to focus on just putting ourselves on the right side of that equation, of that greater than symbol. And that God is simply greater than we are. And sometimes we need a, a gut check to remind ourselves of that. Because this world, this culture says, know what? You're the best. You're the champion. You're number one. You are God of your life. Take control. Take charge. We have to put ourselves on the right side of that equation to follow God. So God is greater. And this series is about not just saying that, but living that. My friend and pastor Ben Bowman, who's preached here a number of times and now lives up in Illinois, um, eloquently phrased it this way last night on social media. He said, most Christians are happy to keep the authority of Jesus in heaven and out of their lives. I love that. I had to share that. I saw that last night. I'm like, all right, that's, that's it. I don't have to preach. I'll just sit down. I'll let that let's speak for, for itself. Most Christians are happy to keep the authority of Jesus in heaven, but out of their lives. So this series is about reversing that for us. And so last week we looked at, or Scott looked at with y'all, um, Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4, as we were reminded that God is greater than our circumstances. We had had a conversation earlier that week, Scott and I, and ended up hitting on this concept that was the ultimate point of last week's message. And asked the question, are you a product of your environment? Or is God producing the environment in you? In other words, are you letting your circumstances, the waves and storms of life, tell you where you're going to float? Or has God given you a spiritual motorboat? And said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to tell you where to go. You're not being tossed around by the waves in the world. You're not going to be blown around by your circumstances. I'm going to create the environment in you. And all of those other things are just going to bounce off. Because why? Because I'm greater than. That's why. And that was last week. God can even use what may seem bad for your good. I want you to remember that today, especially as we talk about God is greater than your pain. So as we just dive in this morning, um, obviously this week I haven't had too much time or ability to focus on some things to, to prepare some things today, but I was fortunate enough to be able to put some things down that I really want to share with you, because again, they're real for me and my family this week. Uh, and if you are having pain or you're in pain or you've had pain before, um, of all kinds, financial pain, um, physical pain, mental anguish, mental pain. Pain comes in all shapes and sizes. And so everyone in this room should be able to identify with some form of pain this morning. It might not be immediate loss, but it could be. And so there's just four things, and then we're going to dive into Scripture on each one, that I would like to share this morning about reminding us that God is greater than our pain. Here's the first one. It's not rocket science. 
you will have pain in this life. Piece of cake, right? Oh, yeah, I knew that. No, we need to be reminded of that. You will have pain in this life. Being a Christian is not an exemption from that. It's not a get-off-easy card that you just pull out of your wallet every time some situation comes. Look, pain-free. No, that's not the way it works. Jesus knew we would have pain. And in John chapter 16, verses 28 through 33, and this will be on screen as well, Jesus says, I came from the Father and entered the world, and now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus has said, Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Because you know, we always told parables and the disciples were a little, huh? and they had a little issue sometimes, like, okay, we get that. We see clearly. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. And I love this next line in verse 31. You believe at last. Like, this is right before Jesus is arrested. And he's been walking with these guys for years. He's like, oh my gosh, finally. Finally, you guys get it. But a time is coming and has come when, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. But I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Here's verse 33. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Some versions say pain, all right, or strife. But take heart. Or be courageous. I have overcome the world. Jesus knew. Jesus told us. This is not a no-brainer. That's why it's kind of like, yeah, okay, point number one. You will have pain in this life. But we need to be reminded of that. Because again, it's not an exemption. Jesus knew we would have pain in our lives. But he plainly reminded the disciples, and this morning, us, to take courage. Take heart. To trust he who has overcome the world. To trust the God through the pain that is greater than. Second thing this morning. Our greater than knows our pain. Author and blogger Steve McVeigh writes, When we honestly believe that God knows and cares about every detail of our lives, when we understand that He is deeply touched by our weaknesses, when we are convinced that He hurts when we hurt, Intimate fellowship with Him will then be the natural experience in our pain. And you might say, well, how does God, how does God know I hurt? I mean, really, He's worried about stars and solar systems and birds not falling from the ground. How is God worried about my pain? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to verses 12 through 16. The author of Hebrews is writing, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. I'll pause right here for a second. God's Word, God's Spirit in our lives can, can wade through any amount of garbage, any amount of pain, any amount of suffering that you have and get right to the core of the issue if you let Him. 
verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, just reminding us, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Our greater than knows our pain. Your greater than, hopefully by week one we've already put ourselves on the right side of the equation so it makes sense. Your greater than knows your pain. He does. Don't fall into the worldly question and doubt-filled trap during pain or suffering or a hard time and say, well, if God really cared, he would deliver me out of this painful situation. Right? I'm sure none of us have asked that question before. None of us have ever been filled with any seeds of doubt, no matter the strength of our faith, and said, you know what, if God really did care, if God was God, if God was here, if he was there, if, I, if I'm in pain, woe is me. If God was really here and cared about me, he would just, poof, make the pain be gone. Don't fall into that worldly question and that doubt-filled trap. Sometimes God's greater than ability can best be demonstrated to us, not by removing our pain, but by walking with us through it. He is with us. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will be with us. Since we know Jesus, we will know the Spirit, and it will be with us and even in us. So you're not alone in your pain. God knows your pain intimately. He knows how many days you have in your life. He knows the, the numbers of hairs that are on your head. And He knows your pain. Simply because you're having pain doesn't mean that God isn't there or that He doesn't care. You see, God is either totally and completely good or He's not. God is either here and with us, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent, and other fun large words, or He's not. It takes just as much faith to believe that a long time ago a big bang happened and miraculously we're here there's, there's no scientific evidence officially for that. It's a best guess evolutionary scenario because they can't explain it. It takes just as much faith to believe the science as it does to have faith that God is who He says He is. It's a fun little argument if you ever need to defend your faith. Bring up that faith question with an atheist. That'll be a fun conversation. God knows your pain. He knows you're suffering. And if you're feeling it, it doesn't mean that He doesn't care. It means that you need to walk with Him through it. Third thing. This is the uh, one we may not want to hear this morning. You thought it was painful before. Number three. You may have pain because you're not following His purpose. You may have pain because you're not following His purpose. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 39. And again, this one will be on screen as well. 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, to be like Jesus, so that He might be firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. And Paul goes into one of the most famous sections here. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Chris Tomlin made a lot of money off of that. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us in our pain. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that first chunk, I want to read that whole thing because we need to be reminded of that in a moment at the end. But that first part, You may have pain because you're not following His purpose. This is one of the most misused and misquoted passages of Scripture there in verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good, right? And we just put a period in it right there. Ta-da! God works for good. Yay! And we just cut out the rest of this sentence. And so often it's, it's us Christian people that are in the, in the worst habit of, of, of tweaking Scripture and reading certain parts and, and not other parts. And this is a part we cannot cut out if we want the meaning of this passage. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Today you may be in pain from a choice he didn't want you to make. Could be self-inflicted. Put it this way. Imagine that you are in a dark room. We know do that, right? We can turn off the lights a little bit. Imagine that you're in a dark room, you can't see anything. You don't know how big it is, how small it is. But this room is filled with obstacles and potential hazards. Things that could kill you, mess you up. And in that dark room, Jesus is with you. And you two are tied together with a rope. And Jesus is holding a flashlight. The only way to see in this dark, potentially fatal room. Now, if you're following Jesus and you're walking with Jesus, He will guide you through that room, around or over any obstacles in that room. Because He has the flashlight to see them. But if instead you don't follow him and start pulling on that rope to go into a different direction, you leave the light, you also then run the risk of getting hurt pretty badly, right? You're still tied together because, again, like Paul reminded us, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. But now you've gone off on your own. 
you've wandered a little bit and you've got hurt. You weren't following Jesus and his flashlight. Is that an analogy? That, that picture, that image in your brain might be something you need to hold on to this morning because that might be you at some point today or even in your past. And this is real for me. Growing up, I had uh, exercise-induced asthma. It was painful to breathe. And I couldn't do a lot of the, th- the things and the sports and the football and the soccer that all my friends were doing and I wanted to go do. And that pain kept me from doing that. So in- instead, I stayed inside. And that's one of the reasons why I am the wonderful color I am today. But I stayed inside and I learned piano. Piano led to me playing in church by the time I was 11, 12, 13 years old. Then all the way through 17 and high school. Then I went to college at USF over in Tampa. And I forgot my faith. Even though I accepted Christ as my Savior at the age of three, and I still remember it, clear as a bell to this day. I remember the pajamas I was wearing. I remember the room we were in in my parents' house and the way the brown shag carpet just loved it. Loved it. Went to our sliding glass door and just prayed out, prayed out the window that morning. It was like six, six thirty in the morning. Little blue three-button pajamas. That was pretty cute. So I had that faith all growing up. I was again blessed to grow up with my dad and my mom, modeling a faith-filled life. But then I went off to college. Freedom! For the first time, I was able to make my own choices, and you know, <laughs> I made some stupid ones. Uh, I was in the school of music over at USF and met this girl, this girl named, well, it doesn't matter what her name was. We got, I proposed. We were engaged. It was a bad relationship. It was pretty rocky. And one day, I walked in on her with another guy. This was going to be the girl I was going to marry. And it hit me really, really hard. Because we were all in marching band, James, you can relate. He played drums, I played sousaphone that year, and we were like right next to each other. And then the week after we were engaged, she's his girlfriend. And everyone in the school of music was like, no, no one does that. So it was hard. So I crashed pretty hard. I ended up dropping a lot of my classes and crashing on fraternity brothers' couches, and I was pretty wrecked. After about a semester of that, I just, you know what, I need to move home. I need to come home to Melbourne. And so I moved back to Melbourne to find a job. And instead, I found Jesus again. I started working in ministry at Wesley United Methodist Church using those piano skills that I had used earlier or learned earlier. And even then, I wasn't perfect. I still made mistakes, but my faith became real to me for the first time. And I began growing, working in ministry, eventually meeting and marrying my wife of now eight years, Lisa. And then moving to DeLand, Atlanta, and then eventually back here. But you might be able to identify with some of that this morning because God used the pain in my life to direct my path. And I would now not trade it for anything. No matter how bad that hurt back then with my friends, no matter how bad that hurt back at college when my then ex-fiance was walking around with her new stud, in my face. No matter how bad that hurt and how depressed 
I got. He was there. And the things I've learned through that pain, the, what I walked with God through, I wouldn't trade that for anything because of where I am today. It's like I was tied to Jesus, but I went off wandering in that dark, obstacle-ridden room. But Jesus heard my cry. He followed that rope back to see where I was. And He led me out of it again. And I allowed Him to use my pain for His purpose. And I had to come to Jesus moment again on my knees before I moved back and said, you know what? I've messed up. I've made my own mistakes. I'm in a lot of pain right now because I've tried to be greater than. I put myself on the wrong side of this equation. School of Hard Knocks is a great teacher. God used my pain for His purpose. Without the pain of asthma, I may have never learned piano or played in church or even led worship. Without the pain of a broken relationship in college, I may have never moved home and then entered the ministry or married Lisa Without the pain of this last few years, this church history and poor wandering decisions by predecessors, we wouldn't be where God has us today. So it may be weird to say, but I am thankful for that pain because we have allowed God to use it for His purpose. So today you may be in pain because you're not following God's purpose. It may be just that simple as to why you're in pain today. You might be in that dark room, wandering off by yourself. Stop. Follow the rope back, that connected, never-ending love of Jesus Christ, back to the one who holds the flashlight, who is the light of the world. Follow His purpose and stop adding to the pain that Jesus already said we would have in this world. Fourth thing this morning, as we wrap up. The pain you feel may be part of a plan He has not yet finished. The pain you feel may be part of a plan He hasn't yet finished. Now this may sound Christianese, or some goofy phrase to just find comfort in. You can put this on a goofy little meme and share it on Facebook because it sounds good. But it's true. God Himself gives us the best example of this. I put the passage up here on screen, but I would more rather invite you to listen. It's in Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. The two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified Him, along with the criminals, one on His right, the other on His left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Even Jesus, the only Son of God, had to endure unimaginable pain. Whipped, scourged, spat on, mocked, crucified. He endured all of that for us, for you and me. Because it was part of a plan that God hadn't finished yet. Imagine if Jesus had given up. You know what? Ouch! Ooh, nails hurt. You know what? <laughs> it's been great the last three years. John the Baptist guy baptizing all that ministry since then. It's been fun. Disciples, it's been real. And peace. Be with you and I'm gone. Nails too painful. I quit. Imagine if Jesus had done that. No eternity in heaven for us. No resurrection. No relationship with Jesus. No no Holy Spirit sent by Him. No books, uh, gospels, or good news likely ever written about Him. No churches today. No Christians. No disciples. Um, no one remembering an almost crucified quitter from years such and such and such because even our calendar is based on B.C. and A.D. according to His existence. How do we even date that? None of that would have happened. But Jesus chose to endure the pain because it was part of God's plan. Today you might be feeling pain for the same reason. Maybe you are in a tough time of your life. Maybe you're in pain for countless reasons. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost financial security. Maybe you're in pain physically. Maybe your heart aches with a pain that you just can't even put words on. But God knows we will have pain. God even knows our pain. He shares it. He feels it. And God can work all things for good, even our pain, for those who love Him and also are called according to His purpose. Follow His purpose in your lives. You may feel pain because God isn't finished with His plan in you yet. So be like Jesus on the cross who endured more pain than we know, who became sin for our sake, who suffered for us, who followed God's plan and God's purpose. And three short days later, Jesus' suffering became our saving. His endurance through the pain became our opportunity for eternity. His pain became our providence. He overcame the world, as he said before in John. He overcame the world and the pain it held for us. That is why, no matter how you're feeling today, no matter the pain you're in, His love, His presence, His purpose, His power should be a constant reminder that God is greater than your pain. Let's pray.